Welcome to JP Morgan Weekender. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me this week is Joe Lupton. Hey, Joe. Hey, Bruce. A lot to talk about. One of the things we've been kind of focusing on uh, lately is the interplay of shocks, monetary policy, and uh, um, the behavioral uh, responses. Uh, I'd like to step off of that maybe to start here. I think perhaps we'll start with inflation. Uh, there's, you know, pretty interesting inflation news from the U.S. We're kind of watching news come across uh, in terms of uh, what we've been seeing in the U.S. labor market on wages and labor force supply and all of that stuff. And, you know, how that plays out as the Fed sort of gets closer to its November meeting. Uh, let me just start by saying I think we got a relatively strong message this week from Fed officials that they're looking at the tightening in um, uh, financial conditions from higher bond yields as doing some of their work. They feel uh, that they can take some time here and watch. And then the question is, we had a strong payroll report last Friday. We had a, a you know, a, a, a interesting, and I'll let you talk about the details of the CPI report this week. Um, you know, how are we reading the inflation outlook? And then, of course, we'll get into how we think the Fed might be reading uh, things as they look towards the meeting. Yeah. So I, I, I think, you know, the last few months, at least through the, 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 the months of the third quarter, uh, since mid-year, well, you've been seeing this downdraft in global inflation. And, and we certainly took a lot of that on board as a, as a welcome and development that we had been looking for. You know, part of it was the, the disinflation coming on the good sides. Part of it was just an unwinding of some of the pressures that we saw last year, bottleneck type pressures. Uh, and so that was all kind of warranted. But, you know, when the three-month run rate on U.S. core CPI got down to 2.4 and people you know, started to declaring, uh, you know, mission accomplished, I think we were kind of pumping the brakes on that view and, and, and pointing out that actually, no, we're not there. Just as we had swung too much to the upside, we were probably swinging too much to the downside. And that, you know, by the time we got towards the, the fourth quarter and into the end of the year, we were going to be sitting in a world where inflation was still uncomfortably too high and that we are far from mission accomplished. And that was a part of our whole boiling the frog type scenario. And I think what we got in this week's report from the U.S. was right down the middle of the uh, of, of the fairway in terms of that view. You know, things definitely bounced bounced back up and the three month run rate is, is running closer back up above uh, 3.1%. Yeah, and then you had all the moving parts that I think are, are still there and probably will be forces for lift as we move towards the end of the year. So, I mean, that big, big picture, I think that's the message is as we expected that. Yeah, I just let me add the, the woods. let me add the color that I think in the context of what we were watching in the summer, uh, I think there was an understanding that uh, some of the downward pressure on inflation came from um, goods pricing, used car, but more broadly core goods pricing that you know was encouraging did reflect some unwind of earlier shocks but could also be viewed as um you know components of the basket that weren't going to stay there that long but what was starting to get people somewhat um optimistic was the more inertial forces shelter and uh, other service price inflation obviously you got powell's super core that was moving lower and i think some of the um issue around uh, this week's report is that it's those forces that actually delivered the upside surprise. And obviously when you take the three month run rate as you were describing, actually look like they're they're hooking up here. Uh, so I think it's it's um it's about this horse race between, you know, whether or not you're gonna continue to get 
good news on on some of the more volatile components and goods that have been very low uh, as opposed to um, uh, the sticky inertial stuff. And this has been, you know, a week where the inertial stuff kind of struck back in terms of showing more uh, elevated uh, uh, news. Yeah, and I mean, just even in the in the names of those terms, you should know who's going to win that horse race, <laughs> right? I mean, the, the, the point well, here is that those inertial categories are ones that are, are, are sticky. And, you know, the, 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 whether it's the super core, it's the, the kind of the other services categories, um, we, there's no kind of sense that those are going to be falling very quickly here. I think the one thing there is some conviction over is that shelter prices, which actually was part of the, the lift this, this month. We do think that there's a downdraft there coming from those contract prices that point to, to a downshift. But beyond that, I think those sticky prices are, are, are areas of the inflation basket that we should be worried about, we have been worried about, and, and they're, they're not going to go away uh, easily. Whereas all of those those volatiles, which are huge downward pressures right now, those will fade, coupled with an ending of some of these technical factors like health insurance premiums. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel more convicted that you're, you're going to get inflation settling above 3% by the end of the year. And I think if I just told you that and you asked what's the Fed going to feel like, I don't think they're going to feel very good. Well, let's just leave the Fed for one more second. Let me just point out our forecast right now is that the next three-month run rate uh, through December is going to be about three and a half. And yeah. um, there is a sense that, as you said, the shelter prices have been choppy here. And it, when it chopped to the upside of where we think the underlying trend is, but there are these other forces that back off in terms of things that have been moving down, health insurance, airfares, uh, and even the used car price stuff. So uh, we are looking- prices were on the downside as well. So Yeah. So there are things that kind of come back here and actually lead to affirming. And I think you know, one of the things we've been saying pretty consistently here is a Fed that is feeling uh, inflation stuck in the in the mid threes is a Fed that is not very happy, not comfortable, not not even comfortable staying on hold at high for long. And then I think this is where we get into the issue of how the Fed um talks to us in November and how it actually acts over the next. I, uh, I think this is this is important, right? Because I the, the the risk reward balance in the in the rates market right now seems to, you know, put a pretty high premium on the idea that eventually things are going to be moving down and that the Fed is is on hold here, even if it is a high for long. I think we should not lose sight of the fact that the Fed could very well give us the one more hike that they've been telling us they're going to do. And I and I, I agree the language this week uh, did suggest that they are taking on board the movement up in the long end is doing some of the heavy lifting for them. Our natural language processing of all this Fed speak that we've had has really come off, still very hawkish, uh, but has come off from where it was. So that's consistent with that. But I, I'll just emphasize that the processing of this week's inflation report and if you get kind of more news along these lines of inflation kind of drifting up and looking more stuck above 3%, I think the, the, the rhetoric is going to change. Our natural language processing will move back up. And the odds of another hike here, I think, uh, are probably better than what people's uh, mood is right now. Oh, definitely more than what the markets got priced in. But, um, you know, I think I think the the issue here is the interaction of what's continues to happen in markets, of course. Uh, and how the Fed sees the the growth picture. Now, I think one of the interesting things about growth is we had a very strong third quarter. We and most people think that's going to come off pretty quickly. 
we're not seeing we're not seeing claims you know take any move up here we're certainly mm-hmm. seeing september payroll strong we'll start getting some regional surveys for october next week and you know i think it's not a major driver of us growth but notwithstanding the fact that we're getting hit by the uaw strike somewhat in manufacturing global industry does look like it's coming uh, on in the way that we had been expecting here uh, and Flash that there is the some rec- <laughs> well we'll see but i, I think mean, we did get a- the bounce but it, i i don't know how long it's going to last here i think next week what are we looking for on manufacturing for september the u.s number is like down a little bit right yeah but that's entirely being driven by yes. the auto auto sector which is uh, on stri- has strikes going on i think i think the picture when you look at it globally is clearly showing improvement i think there's questions about how how much legs there are to it and the, and the and the strength of it and i think that that interacts with a whole bunch of other things in the global outlook but i think what we are seeing is the combination of the tech uh unwind over and some of the dynamics that have helped on us goods spending and inventory uh dynamics give us a bit of a lift here and i think that's got some you know that's that's going to give us some growth here and it's going to be a positive through year end, whether we well, roll a couple off of things that, that in, in you and I have been talking goods for the better part of three or four months here. And, and, and certainly I, I was one of the more optimistic ones on this and, and still have a view that things were bounced and we got that bounce. I, I just, I, I want to point out some elements of this story that are making me more worried. One, as I've said on this call before, and we've written before is that the inventory lift that we uh, have, partly been resting our story on, you know, on second thought of seeing the rate increases and concerns and hearing the anecdotes of businesses getting concerned about carrying large inventories in a world where that that the carry cost is much higher. I think that tempers some of the inventory story a little bit. Secondly, uh, I think, yeah, the consumer is holding in and next week's retail sales report will be another reminder of that. We're looking for a solid two tenths uh, gain on the uh, on the control number there, but uh, outside that, the capex numbers have just been drifting lower and lower and lower over the course of the third quarter, and are actually pointing to contraction. That's our global capex nowcaster. Um, and so, when you put those together, final demand I don't think is anything to really write home about right now, and the inventory story maybe is not quite as strong as I hope. So I don't want to pour in cold water over this entire story. The tech sector does seem to be lifting out of Asia. That's an important message. Uh, but I, I just feel like, uh, you know, things have been tempered a little bit in my mind. Well, I think things are tempered in our forecast, because I think if we went That's through, I think if we went through a storyline that would have had a, a traditional lifting, given the dynamics on inventories and what we've seen on final demand, we should be getting a run here of four or 5% on global IP. And it actually does look like we're having a three month run rate of 4% and through August. Um, But we've been saying two to 3%. And I think there is a reasonable, um, I think balancing of risks around that forecast right now, I'm not feeling uncomfortable. Um, And if anything, I think in the next few months, we're probably more skewed towards doing better than uh, worse than that, but we'll see. There's a lot of things as you're saying that can come in the mix and, um, and influence that. But uh, let's shift to that. And I think we should just shift here to the Fed. I think before we say something about the Fed, let's just say that we didn't talk about it last week, but Canada had a pretty strong payroll report as well. 
it had uh, you know evidence of pretty decent wage inflation in there. And our you know Canada call is that we get a um, a hike from them before we see the Fed in in early yeah. November. Uh, and we should recognize that and recognize that from Canada and uh, Australia, I think, are the the two places, right? And and yeah, and in the Canada case, we do get an inflation report next week, which could yes. have some influence on um, on on that call. But then when we get before to... we get to the Fed, you should also just at least mention uh, on the growth side of things, adding to maybe your your well bullish. I don't want to paint you into a corner, but you're more kind of. A, I guess uh, upbeat tempered view <laughs> is uh, is we do get the China data next week. And it does feel like if China has been a source of concern, my, my sense is that China has been stabilizing uh, over the last couple months here. Uh, and next week's data, the key activity numbers, uh, you know, we're looking for, you know, okay gains in retail sales and other solid IP report. If it's right, the three month run rate on IP is going to be running pretty strong there and supporting that that manufacturing story that that you're telling this week's trade numbers support that story they were pretty good supporting the tech story uh and also the credit numbers this week from china suggest policymakers are maybe gaining a little bit of traction there so that's a that's a positive part of the story as, as well in terms of the global growth picture yeah so i guess i guess from the fed point of view i think they feel like they've gotten enough uh in terms of uh the trajectory going lower on inflation, even if it does feel like it might be flattening or even popping back here a little bit. And I think they've got the combination of uh, the rise in yields as well as the uh, better supply side news. And I think the supply side news in terms of the labor market, uh, keeping the unemployment rate having uh, moved upward here despite still strong job growth is is going to provide them with a little bit of comfort. I think it gives Along them some the productivity lift. And along with what seems to be a pretty decent productivity lift. Um, so I think it gives them a little bit of space. But the, I guess the point here is not a lot of space. And, um, you know, I think they'll come into the November meeting uh, with a message that they're very much still biased towards hiking and that they're, um, you know, they're going to seriously consider what to do at the December meeting and obviously at the at the next one as well. And if the, you know, if we if we're right and growth is slowing towards one and a half and the um uh, the dynamics in the labor market are following that, and we continue to have the elevated time tenure yields that are, from their point of view, putting restriction. That can keep them on hold, and that's our baseline view. But it wouldn't take too much in terms of um, positive surprises on growth against the backdrop of our inflation call to get them back into the picture. And I think that's where, right now, the risk profile might be off in terms of I mean, here's of, the, uh, the, the funny thing. I totally agree with everything you said in the part where I'm maybe nudging a little more hawkish uh, is that upside growth surprise and, and upside inflation surprise, we, we've just gotten them. We've got a, a kind of a string of them, right? The labor market keeps knocking it out of the park. The inflation numbers, as we just said, I mean, we're you know starting to move back up and we're drifting above three and the sticky stuff is looking stuck <laughs> as it should, uh, only to be held down by the, the volatile stuff, which is gonna unwind. I mean, every if you just looked at those two, you'd be saying, oh, we got more work to do. Um, now they're not only looking at that and they are saying, well, we've got a 550 policy rate and the long end's moving up. So maybe we can be patient here. And I think that's been your call is that they see the risk, but they're willing to tolerate this and be patient a bit. I, I just don't know with the, the data that we've seen in a fourth quarter that could be tracking above 4% maybe on GDP that, uh, that patience is gonna be tested. Yeah, and I guess if I'm sitting 
making policy and I'm definitely not sitting making policy. Um, and I've been in this mode for a little while. I'm I'm a pessimist on their ability to get inflation down all the way into the mid twos on a sustained basis without having a more significant hit to the labor market. But um, I'm still of the mind there's enough things that are going on here and uncertainty uh, still lags in a monetary transmission mechanism that I think is delivering a new new set of um, you know constraint um, that restraint excuse me that I I personally even given what our inflation forecast is I'm I'm okay sitting on hold for two three more meetings and if you have to move then you move 50 75 basis points uh, but you give yourself some time to just let this thing sort of play out a bit and just see where we are as we turn into the new year. I'm not suggesting that's the way they're going to act. I think Powell has been particularly, um, you know, sensitive to high frequency news and maybe the inflation news will push him a little more um, towards a hike than uh, than we're thinking. But um, I, I personally think waiting here a little bit is a is a reasonable yeah. strategy. But I mean, I, we'll I, I can see that, uh, but I think you 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 just indicated and i agree that you hear some people out there saying well you know the fed's not going to react to any one data point um and Totality. i think the old fed that would have been true but if, if you've been watching powell i think you can see that actually they are very sensitive to this and um yeah. you know you got a couple marquee reports here that are pretty strong i mean it'd be interesting next week's retail sales i don't think it rises to the level of payrolls or cpi but uh if you get a you know, a very strong report there. I don't know, will that be enough? Actually, let me just pose that question to you. If you got a big upside surprise on consumer spending, is that anywhere on the radar for the Fed? I mean, personally, right now, I think the Fed has guided us towards them staying on hold in November. I think the debate should be, do they um, signal more actively and perhaps uh, uh, convincingly that they could go in December? I don't think they're going to go in November, but I think they could push the december call in a way that the market doesn't have it have it priced right now so we'll we'll, we'll see we'll see how strongly they want to um you know point to the ability for them to act on what will clearly be a continued hawkish bias now we haven't talked about geopolitics this is not a call where either you or i have any expertise uh but we should at least mention before we end that we have a um uh, a, a major conflict playing out uh between Israel and Hamas. Um, this is something we can't uh, predict how broadly and widely it's going to spill out. Um, so far, its impact on global markets is limited, although energy markets are starting to show some upward pressure this week. And everything we're talking about here is is clearly uh, understanding there's uncertainties that are created by this uh, set of events that we uh, uh, certainly are not going to be able to uh, to forecast with any any degree of accuracy. So we'll watch that and see how it plays out. I think and, it is worth pointing out. I mean, we did have this note out this week for, for listeners that you and I kind of put out this cyclical framework for how to think about things. We were updating some of our recession probabilities, but that cyclical framework really emphasized the idea that it's not just about monetary policy and transmission to financial markets and impact on, on kind of macro conditions. Uh, but there's this this element of shocks that are all um, I come almost, almost always are related to the business cycle. And we've been wringing our hands about the oil price move in recent weeks. 
Uh, we've been wringing our hands about, about the rate move, how much of it was beyond what normal monetary transmission was, like a risk premium type shock. Those are shocks that are outside the system. But I think, you know, the, the tragic events unfolding in the Middle East right now, you know, these are these are other types of shocks that that come along the way. And, uh, you know, we have to just be mindful. I, I agree it's way too early, too fluid, um, you know, certainly outside of our, our wheelhouse to really have a, a strong conviction over this right now. But it's um, I, I just think this is kind of the, the, the part of our, our jobs of tracking these shocks and how they interplay with the, the more economic uh, aspects of the business cycle. Well, let me end on a more mundane note, which is one of the things we've been calling or putting into the shock basket, which is probably not a shock in a traditional sense, is the news we get on fiscal policy. Mm -hmm. And I would say we've gotten a signal we don't know how strongly to take from it that China might be willing to do more in terms of providing stimulus. Uh, and in addition, I think one thing we should take from last Friday's payroll report is that the state and local side of the government sector, we can debate what federal discretionary spending is going to do. We can talk about defense spending, which probably is going to continue to be a plus here. But the state and local side of the U.S. public sector is continuing to be a, an important influence here, uh, supporting growth that's not going to go away anytime soon. So that's and then the other shock on the negative is just that uh, we, we, you know, the odds of a government shutdown are probably <laughs> going up. <laughs> given Let's, all this dysfunction in, uh, in D.C. right now. Now this is the time to end this uh, <laughs> discussion. So um, we'll leave it there. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and hope we continue again next week on J.P. Morgan's Weekender. Thank you.